Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm talking to Forrest. He has a very cool story. Uh, number one, he's 23 years old, which I, I didn't realize off the bat, but um, he has a beard, so it made me think he was much older than he was. He started a website about 16 months ago. It's in your money or your life uh kind of niche, which a lot of people are a little nervous to get into. It's generated over 100K of affiliate revenue already. He didn't do any backlink efforts, but there's a deeper story along with that. And this is a pretty amazing story. And I really don't know too many details. So I'm excited to learn more. Forrest, how's it going today? Very well. Very well, Doug. Thank you for having me. So like I said, I, I don't know you that well. So can you tell me who you are? Like, what do you do uh, professionally? And uh, just a little bit about yourself. Of course. So I'm, um, I'm from the UK. As you say, I'm, I'm 23. And I work in operations for a marketing firm um, that's quite niche. And it's not really got any sort of digital arm at all. So um, certainly didn't learn any sort of SEO efforts from from there. So it's somewhat related, but also not not too related to what I do outside of work. Got it. Uh, how did you get into building niche sites and SEO in general? So it was actually from watching some videos from Income School um, many moons ago. So this was a good few years ago now. Um, and I started a very small site in the sort of hobby slash gardening um, niche. Didn't really know what I was doing. Looking back on it, it was horrific, but the, the ROI was still there. I, I bought a few bits of content and I learned to, to write content through that site. Um, did fairly well. I've still got that site to this day. Um, I've only actually built two sites. So it was that one and then this site that was a, a much bigger success. Um, and then I got inspired randomly. I had a week of annual leave and I wanted to, um, to, to get busy with something. And I, I ended up tinkering with this site. I got the itch. Um, so I, I built this site, but it, it all really stemmed from, from income school to be completely honest, but I, I never paid for their, their course. Okay. Gotcha. So you just watched your YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah, I, I figured the, the, a lot of the, the guys, I think, in this niche give away enough value on YouTube um, that you don't really need to buy much, in, in my opinion. What year was that? That would have been, let's, I'm, I'm guessing, 2018. Okay, so just a few years into about four. And your first site, so you said it was horrific in some ways, but you still have mm -hmm. it. Um, did it earn some money along the way? Yeah, it got up to maybe four fifty a month, something like that, um, from from ads, and it was pretty much ads and, and Amazon. There was nothing else going on at all. Um, that was on a Zoic. So at the time, it felt pretty monumental. But looking back at it now, I haven't updated it for many, many, many years. It's I, I think it does maybe fifty dollars a month. So it's got it got a bit of something still coming in, but nothing uh, nothing worth having really. And we're, we're going to talk about your big site, but a lot of people are in the early stages and maybe they haven't started a site or maybe they're like still trying to earn the first uh, few bucks. Just from a high level, that first site, I mean, it was your first site. It sounds like you really didn't know anything about what you were doing. Um, mm -hmm. Any key takeaways with what you know now where you're like, I did a pretty good job in these areas. Those areas maybe are things that people should focus on. 
I think it's really around content and not really going for the the home runs. I think it's it's really easy to get your head around. If you just rank for some very competitive search terms, you're going to be doing very well. And sort of the money terms, I didn't really bother, but that was from naivety more so than anything. So I went for the the long tail, low competition search phrases. Um, so I highly recommend doing that, especially in your first first few months, if not first year, um, before you get traction, unless you're coming in with a big budget. If you're writing the content yourself, that's that's what I would do. Um, I would say as well, I greatly underestimated the amount of content needed. Um, I, I remember getting to sort of 30, 40 articles and thinking, I'm pretty much done, um, which obviously went on to not being true at all. Yeah. How many articles did you end up with on that site? So that site, I think, got up to about 110. Um, and then at that point I went back and I was sort of continually updating. I had a bit of a spreadsheet. I was working through just updating the old content, um, until I gave up on that. And then with the larger site, it's still relatively small in the grand scheme of it. I think it's 230 ish articles. Okay, cool. All right. So let's get into some of the details on this big site. We know that the revenue is pretty good. Can you uh, give us some more details on the revenue, maybe even the trajectory along the way? And you could mention when you started the site so people have sort of a timeline in their mind. Of course. So I started the site, it would have been December 2020. Um, and I didn't actually monetize it until sort of end part of July 2021. Reason for that being, I wasn't getting much traction, but there was one particular search phrase that was working extremely well, and the majority of the traffic was coming from there. And I didn't really realize that initially. Again, it was more of a, um, a passion project. I wasn't coming in with any kind of skill set at all. Um, and I then started doubling down on there. I completely re redesigned the site. I threw Elementor on there which again was an absolute nightmare, I think, but um, I made the site look pretty. I had fun doing it. And that was in July, end of August, I'd already made 9,800 um, in dollars. So nearly 10K in the first month I ever got a penny from the site, which was which was interesting. Um, and I've had a fair few questions about that, but in truth, I, I think the site was monetized quite late. Um, it should have been monetized earlier and there would have been a more steady trajectory. I left it quite late. Um, and then two months after that, it did about 19,000, stayed consistent, averaging sort of 12 to 15,000 a month. Um, and it's, Considerably less now. We did five thousand six hundred last month um, in dollars, so it's much less now. But uh, we can get into sort of the the whys of that um, later. Okay, great. And I just want to make sure I got this right. So you didn't monetize for maybe like eight months or so, and then when you did, mm -hmm. it was already at like nine to ten k per month. Yes. Yeah. So the main reason for that, so I did 7,000 from one affiliate, um, which was absolutely huge. They were running a bit of a, not necessarily promotional offer, but their affiliate um, program at the time was, it was 30% commission, which was absolutely amazing. It then, it later got moved down to, I think it went down to 10, um, but they were quite a hot topic in the industry at the time. A lot of not necessarily hype is the wrong word, but there was a lot of traction they were getting at the time. They were putting a lot of time into their marketing efforts and I can't help but think their success catapulted 
my success. Sure. Yeah. Just kind of lucky timing, right? Did you, uh, yeah. did you have any insight into that or it was just something you're interested in? <clears throat> Not at all. So I had a, a basic understanding of the industry. Um, and it's sort of, it, it is quite niche and I, I saw it working through literally looking on Google analytics. I'd written one article that was relevant to that sub niche of the niche I was in and it was doing well. So I thought I'd double down on it and I, I was looking for, um, content to sort of inspire me, uh, not necessarily rip the content off by any means, but I was looking to sort of do a bit of research around the topic and I couldn't find any useful resources at all. And at that point it clicked that I had a bit of a, a white space, um, there and I was certainly right place, right time in all honesty. In that case where you didn't have many resources, cause you were trying to learn yourself, how did you mm -hmm. actually like gain the knowledge to write the content so i ended up actually reverting to youtube because it was such a white space on the uh, on the serps but on youtube there was a lot of content out there um so i was sort of leveraging the youtube content and i, I did give them all links and i was obviously putting their content in um in in my content um in exchange for me sort of leveraging their information but it the the youtube space seemed to be a lot more mature in that niche than on the web for whatever reason but there were still a lot of people searching for it looking for blog content even yeah i mean in month one in terms of page views there was or i say month one not month one but month sure. one of of being monetized 30,000 page views, 10,000 users. Um, and that got up to a peak of just over 80,000. And that was, I'd say 80, 70% of that was coming from this sub niche of the, the wider niche. Okay. Gotcha. And then, yeah, thanks for mentioning traffic again. I just moved on to revenue. Um, so <laughs> traffic, um, got up to about 80,000 page views per month. When was that? So that was in May, uh, May this year. And weirdly, it wasn't a great month in terms of revenue. So that was an $8,000 month. Um, whereas you take March was, was 19 and a half thousand and that was 70,000 page views. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a strange one there, but I think in part that was down to the affiliate commissions and going up and down on the various different partnerships I was working with. Okay. And Let's talk, uh, let's stick with traffic just for a second, then we'll go back to monetization. So on the traffic mm -hmm. side, it sounds like, you know, it, it grew up until uh, March, May timeframe. Uh, revenue is down a little bit. Is traffic down right now too? Traffic is down as well. Yep. So that is primarily um, due to a few big players jumping in the... Um, the, the search terms I was ranking and, and basically dominated until then. So I think in all honesty, this is a more accurate representation of where the traffic should be. Um, still sitting nice, but about half of, of the peak at the minute. But likewise, I haven't put too much content in as of, as of late. Um, and I think with the right backlink efforts, I can certainly get that back up to the peak. But like I say, a few, a few large players entered the, uh, entered the, the industry, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they just recognized that there was, there was money there and then started, started going after it. Okay. Absolutely. Can't blame them. Okay. So back to monetization, you, you mentioned already <clears throat> that you, you had a pretty sweet deal, 30% commission, um, can you talk about your monetization strategy? Uh, most of the time we do focus on Amazon affiliate. That's like 
you know, one of the easiest ways to get started. So um, do you have any Amazon affiliate? And then can you talk about the other programs that you're working with? Of course. So I don't have any Amazon affiliate um, at all. I, I've used it on my on my first site, um, but on this site, it wouldn't really fit the niche. In all honesty, um, it's more sort of digital digital products, if you will, um, that would be more relevant. So the um, the partners I work with, I found them when doing my research on YouTube. And I reached out to them. A lot of them already had affiliate programs in place. I think I ended up working total with sort of around 20, but there was five, six, seven that were driving the majority of the revenue. Um, what has damaged me was one of them did end up pulling the plug on the business as a whole, which was, that was actually the the partnership that was earning me the most money in the first few months. So that was a shame. They wrapped up in January, but their... Um, I guess their market share got eaten up so quickly that all my other partnerships sort of increased anyway. Um, so I didn't really feel the effects of it, but yeah, I, I wish they, they hadn't done. Right. That is, that's something you do hear about. And I had a couple of friends that impacted their, you know, their main earner. It was a smaller <laughs> affiliate program and it just, it disappeared. They didn't even get, you know, their last couple months of pay because there's, you know, a 30, 60 day, um, uh, delay before they get their payment. So yeah, they, mm -hmm. they sold all this stuff and then they never got paid for it. And the company, you know, went bankrupt or whatever. So mm -hmm. I know everyone's quick to moan about the sort of low, low commissions on Amazon, but you know, they're going to pay. So <laughs> there's right. swings and roundabouts, right? It's yeah, it's very rare when Amazon doesn't come through. It has to be some sort of terms violation. But yep, there's always trade offs. So with the other uh, affiliate programs, it sounds like it's a healthy industry, and there's um, there's there's still plenty of people to work with. What kind of commission rates do they pay? So anywhere between, I think the the big players pay about five percent. Um, and the the ticket value is quite high. You're looking at anywhere from a few hundred pounds to a few thousands is what the um, the actual buyer is is paying. So the commissions are, are obviously quite high. Um, the sort of newer newer firms in the industry they're paying higher. I've noticed. Obviously, these guys were paying up to thirty percent, um, but then they didn't stand the test of time. So it makes you wonder um, whether they they should have in fact been been doing that because I'm not I'm not really sure why they they went out of business. But um, the most reputable um, companies I work with pay about 5%. Okay. And can you repeat the average sale price again for us? Yeah. So it, it genuinely ranges from a few hundred to a few thousands, um, is, is the average sale price. Okay. So you don't need too many con conversions per day to earn a pretty good amount of money. No, no, not at all. I've had, I mean, talking today, I've, had three or four come in and it's $260, I think roughly. And then jumping back to the, um, you know, the fact that YouTube is more mature. So are a lot of the YouTube creators, they're promoting the same sort of products and they're doing really well over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't actually know any of them personally, but from eyeballing their view count and knowing how much these, these commissions come through for, I can only guess that they're doing, um, the the same numbers as me, if not slightly better some months, I'd imagine. Do you have a handle on the conversion rate percentage? 
I don't, to be honest with you. Something I should have. Okay, just curious because I know you know we we bellyache about the Amazon commission rates being low, but it does convert really well, very low friction for those purchases. You mm-hmm. get credit for potentially the whole cart, depending on you know some categories and all that. So it's, it's mm-hmm. always trade offs, yeah. but um, yeah, it's very. It'll be interesting to understand. Yeah, maybe if you uh, if you come back on, we could research that and figure out the conversion rate or something. But yeah, I'll have that to hands. So, and then just the other thing for for people, it's like your traffic is not all that high, but because you're working with a, you know, it sounds like digital products, the affiliate commissions are pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You're making a lot of money per visitor. Like when people are in the display ad um, is a monetization for their site, you know, typically they're going to have to get like huge amount of traffic more than what, whatever you're getting. So yeah, cool. I, I do have a Zoic on, on the site. Um, I, I have used them since yeah July, I think it was last year. And I think the best month I did on there was a thousand and eighteen and a half thousand from, from affiliate. So that's kind of the, the difference we're looking at in terms of, commission versus display ads okay and can we do a, a live ezoic read right now is that cool with you, you you're still using ezoic i'm still using ezoic yeah okay cool yeah i think we can um so do you use the ezoic premium this is an ad everyone so just to make it clear this is an ad so do you use ezoic premium i don't actually use Ezoic premium oh why not i i i've honestly naive to it never looked okay. into it Let's, uh, we'll talk when we finish up, but basically you'll, you'll get access to better ads. So typically like you're pretty much guaranteed, um, you know, those are my words as a, uh, descriptor, but you have to pay to get access to the premium, um, advertisers and essentially they're sort of, uh, again, I don't want to use guarantee, but you will earn enough to cover whatever it is that it costs to get access to the premium ad. So it may be like a hundred bucks, but most likely you're going to earn like $300 extra on top of what you normally would get. It's an, it's an interesting sort of uh, way they frame it. Um, but it does pay off in, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be a, a huge thing, but certainly look into the, the premium selection there. It's worth it. Um, and well, do you check out the big data analytics over on oh, these? Okay. I was doing these. And any, any good, uh, data that you get from there, maybe that you like better than Google analytics, for example. I would say I, it's always my go-to. I don't get on too well with Google Analytics. So when I'm when I'm just looking at sort of page views um, and the content that's sort of getting the the most traction, I'll always check out Azoic first. Okay, very good. And yeah, and that'll conclude the ad. So thanks for letting us do this. It, that's an experiment I'm trying. It makes it easier. We were just talking earlier that um, I do my best not to edit anything afterwards, and that includes the uh the ads so if i could just talk about it with the guest it's much easier for me so thanks for letting us do that i enjoyed it it's fun <laughs> okay so let's talk about um keywords so back to the mm-hmm. basics we're going to go through uh keywords content and link building so what's your approach to keyword research 
Very, very minimal. I don't use any tools. Um, I I knew the niche anyway, so I already knew roughly what I wanted to be targeting. Um, but I do really rely on the people also asked, um, which I know is, is probably getting rinsed by everyone now. Um, yeah. The once a niche site, but I I do think it really works and. If you want to do that at scale, I know SEO Minion is a great tool that um, people seem to be using now. I've I've tried that, um, and I did get a, a nice bunch of potential uh, sort of long tail keywords from there. But I would say that my approach is quite specific. I'm I'm happy to write a piece of content that you know may get a few hundred page views here and there. I'm not looking for for home runs because I know that with the sort of affiliate commissions were able to generate um you know every every reader is is important to to me because i'm not in the display ads game as such and just to emphasize again so you don't use any tools you just use the google search bar you kind of have an understanding and then you look at the serbs people also ask related searches that's pretty much it that's pretty much it yeah i think if i was looking to scale the site to a um, a much larger, um, I guess, pool of content, I, I would have to start bringing in a few tools and I'd have to start really doing competitor analysis and all of these things to, to start really doubling down on, on the content. But I've got, yeah, a, a good mix from sort of in, informational content and, and commercial content in there that's primarily from people also asked. What is the specific breakdown if you had to put a I would say it's pretty pretty heavy to commercial um content to be completely honest i would say we're somewhere maybe 60 40 60 informational um 40 sort of commercial okay okay that sounds not too bad now um you mentioned that you had an idea what keywords and topics you wanted to cover if you had to estimate how many keywords did you have in mind like when you started um, so I'd say uh, I'm not too sure on on keywords, but in terms of search phrases, um, sort of lo- the longer tail search phrases, I was able to pretty easily get about a hundred out um, before I was really scratching my my head okay. um, to to really figure out what to do, and then I started diving a bit deeper to to get the rest. A lot of people they put a lot of value in which keyword research tool they use specifically. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I know this because, I mean, I I did the same thing. I'm like, oh, which one's the best? And I was like, I want to make sure I get the best tool so the data is accurate. And now later I see that, you know, most of them are probably fine. It's just a commodity. You could use it. Do you think it's a mistake for people to put so much emphasis on which tool they're using? I do. Um, Purely because I think you can easily tell the sort of search intent from looking on the SERPs. And I think you can get a more accurate read of what's actually going on, what people are, are actually looking for. Obviously, there's data you can get from these these tools that's that's relevant. But I again, I don't think it hits the, the nail on the head too often. I know my sort of primary keywords, um, if you will, it, it shows a zero traffic on... Um, on well, I, I don't want to name them but I, I used a few tools um just to try them for for a month each and I, I do see the value in them certainly for enterprise i think there's a lot of value in them but for sort of niche sites and and guys like myself that have a full-time job and do this as for fun i 
I think you can do a lot without using them, to be honest. And one thing we didn't say explicitly, but you kind of mentioned it there. So you don't use a tool, you just use the Google search bar, but it also means you have no insight at all on the keyword search volume. So you don't even look at it or care. Not at all. No. Okay. <laughs> I haven't no. found it to be too accurate, personally. Sure. And, and they're, you know, they're estimates at best, but there's so many people that I do talk to and they're like, the estimated search volume was zero or non-existent. And it's the most profitable keyword uh, in, in their whole site, you know? So, and I know some people are about to throw their phone out the window <laughs> uh, as they're listening to the podcast. But I mean, there, there's many ways to do like all the things that we're talking about. And some people rely heavily on tools. Some people don't use uh, the keyword research tools at all. And uh, there's room for everyone, but you know, it, it, it's so, it's so interesting that you're like, you don't even consider the search volume. You just know that's something people search for. It's cool. Yeah. I think, I think to be completely honest, a lot of it comes from, uh, as well. I, I hate spending money. Um, so if, if there's a way I can do it even half as well for free, I, I'll probably try that. <laughs> Very good. Anything else on your keyword research, uh, approach in general? No, it's it's very very simple. I um, the the way I, I did it, as I say, I, I would just scan through people or so asked and, and go down that rabbit hole. And I, I know SEO Minion does that, and I I think it's free. Um, I I think it's Sean Mars, a, a chap that's got a, quite a big following here on on YouTube. Um, he sort of promotes it, and, and I think he uses it as well. Um, and from there, I make a spreadsheet and I I start writing. It's it's pretty much that simple. Very good. Yeah, I think SEO Minion, who, who put that out? Is that um, is that the keywords everywhere, people? I think it is. I think it is. It's a, it's a Chrome extension, as far as I'm I think, aware. I think it might be too. I know those guys, so I may, or I know the guy, so need to, I never dove into using SEO Minion, but it's been a couple of years and I was like, ah, uh, I don't know if it's solving any direct problems that I have right this second, but I need to get back into it. So, okay. Essentially what, what it does, well, I mean, we won't dwell on it, but it, it pretty much clicks as far as I'm aware, the people are so asked box hundreds of times, and then it just pulls that into a, an Excel sheet for you. So it speeds uh, up that process. Okay. Awesome. All right. Moving on to content. You've alluded to um, the fact that you've done some of the writing. So can you talk about the content approach and hiring writers or writing yourself? Yeah, so the large majority of the content I, I've done for the, the more successful site was myself. Um, I've outsourced a few few bits and bobs, but to be honest, I really enjoy the, the content much more than I guess SEO as a whole. I don't really I don't really like technical SEO too much. It's not really my thing. I, I do really enjoy writing content though, for, for whatever reason. Um, so I think there's I, I broke down the the content into I guess three three different parts. So I made a bit of a content plan um, in in July last year, and my logic was I, I need sort of um, informational posts that I think will do quite well, um, and then I need the commercial posts which I, I want to make money from, and then I had this sort of supporting content um, which well I guess we'll dive into a bit more, but it was using ai as well as human um as well as myself and i was really guiding the ai um because i figured that content would give me sort of topical authority and a bit of trust in the eyes of google but i also figured no one would 
necessarily care about it, but it was still high quality content. So I broke it instead of informational and, and commercial. I had sort of three buckets of content I, I wrote, I would say. Okay. Did you hire any writers along the way? Um, I used a few writers. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the, am I allowed to say the company I use? Um, don't say it here. No. Okay. I used the company. It was very cheap and, um, yeah, the content was okay, but it took a lot of reworking from myself to the point where I probably should have just done it myself. Gotcha. Okay. So you had the, you know, the commercial, uh, affiliate review type content, informational stuff, and then the supporting articles. So let's talk more about the supporting articles. That's, you know, the sort of the different flavor. Um, where did you get the mm -hmm. idea for that concept? Um, especially the way you stated it was really good where you're <clears> like, it's really for Google. Like people are probably not going to read this overall. Mm -hmm. Where'd you get the inspiration for that? I genuinely don't know. Um, I think it was a bit of a potluck idea for myself and I can't contribute any of the success really to it. I don't know if it worked. Um, but I was thinking there's a lot of search phrases, really specific sort of, uh, I don't know, troubleshooting kind of tips and, and various things that are so, so specific. The chance, in my opinion, of people searching for them are very finite. I, I don't think it's going to get much traffic at all. I don't see much of a commercial intent there. Um, and there's very little value I think you can add beyond the sort of 600, 700 words of this is what you need to know. Um, and, and they're on their way. There's, I, I think the bounce rate is going to be pretty high. I don't think there's going to be anything worth really having there. Um, so I thought, firstly, it was just a quick way to get more content on the site. I've, I really treat the commercial posts and the the informational posts I expect to do very well. I treat them almost like digital assets. I put a lot of time into them. I like my infographics. I like my videos. I really want that to be high quality content and a, a resource that you'd come back to if you needed to. Um, but then the the sort of foundation of the site, I didn't think needed to be that high quality if if i'm expecting you know 50 page views a month on on that content do i need 2000 words 3000 words with with infographics and you know all of these things I, I didn't think i did and that's where it came from and then i brought ai into into that to speed up the process all right let's talk about ai I, uh, I've been t testing it out for the last, uh, week or two. So, mm -hmm. um, at the time we're recording this, I think I've published like four or five videos and I'm using Jasper, you know, I'm giving it a go. I think a lot of people probably assumed that I was just going to sandbag it and like do a bad job and just say like, this is garbage, but I'm mm -hmm. giving it a shot. I'm, I'm really trying. So which, um, which tool did you use? You can mention it here and talk about your approach. So for me, Jasper as well, or um, the the previous name, I won't mention it. I think they got in trouble, but I was yeah. using those guys um, for my my AI content. And in in my head, it was uh, well, I, I was on the fence about AI as as I think you are as well, um, and, and whether Google is going to bring the hammer down on it at some point. But I figured there's no real way for me to know if these content writers I'm paying are using AI anyway, as long as it passes a plagiarism check. I don't really have a leg to stand on, I don't think, in terms of getting whether they use them at scale. So I didn't really think that I would necessarily get penalized um, for using it. I thought it may not work, but I didn't think I'd, I'd get penalized. So I was happy to take that risk. Um, but for me, it's sort of a 50-50 blend of 
writing myself and I write it in in Jasper um, myself and then I let Jasper finish the the sentence or the paragraph but I really steer it myself and I I follow um, pretty much the same content writing style as, as Matt Diggity um, seems like a pretty controversial dude but I like his I like his content style um, as well as Matthew Woodward as well I think he's less well known but um, really really good content so I, I follow the sort of layout and um, SOP that, that those gents use and then I sort of plug the AI in where possible but it would probably be 50% me 50% um, Jasper okay and can you talk about the maybe the high points of the layout that um, the two mats use? Yeah, so the the sort of intros, and uh, I, I learned it from income school initially, but going for the snippet in the first few, um, few paragraphs, really answering their question rather than burying it right at the end. I've, I've seen a lot of value in that, and I've got a fair few snippets from, from doing so. So usually I go for sort of two or three intro paragraphs where I make it, but uh, you know, I, I normally sing to whatever problem they're facing, and as as to why they've they've searched for what they've searched for, um, and then I I'll answer their question. I won't I won't necessarily tease them with it. I'll just tell them exactly what they need to know. Then I go on to sort of what they're going to learn um, in the article if it's a longer form piece of content. Then I normally have the I use a table plugin. Um, my site's WordPress. I'm not, I'm not sure if I mentioned. Um, I use a table plugin as well, and then I go into I would say maybe seven or eight headers um, with a pretty meaty conclusion at the end. Okay. So so the big takeaway is like, just answer the fucking question as soon as possible. Answer the fucking question. Yeah. That's what they're here for. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, like when you think about it on the other side, when you're searching for something, like you don't want to read a lot when one sentence will do. Um, so that mm. makes a lot of sense from the, just the visitor, the searcher perspective, they're trying to solve a problem that spend a lot of time, like trying to figure out what you're talking about before you like in answer it at the very end. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are more impatient than ever. I, I certainly am. So if I can't get the quick answer there and then I'm, uh, I'll just bounce straight away and go somewhere else. Before we finish up with the content area, um, with the AI, do you just use like Jasper's, uh, like boss mode document, uh, writing area? And that's where you're, like you said, you'll, you'll write the first sentence and then let Jasper write, you know, a couple hundred words for you. Exactly that. So I, I just, I really steer it myself. Um, and I haven't used any of the recipes I've, I've tried, but to be honest, I wasn't too keen. I felt like they were more hassle than, than they were worth. And I, I, I see the value in it creating sort of the headers for you and the potentially the topics as well. But I was coming in obviously with the topics I wanted. I already have my headers, um, from either knowing the industry, I, I know what headers I'd want to see, or I use people also ask again to find sort of relevant long tail search terms that I could plug straight into that article if they're relevant enough. Um, so I didn't really see the the value in that from Jasper for myself personally. Sure. Did you feed specific facts to Jasper in the brief section or the document description where you're like, I want you to say this in the following sentences or whatever? Um, no, no, I didn't. So I, I use it. I, I let it do its own thing a fair amount. I probably spend five minutes filling in 
um the the brief and the sort of tone of voice i i want to to hear i haven't noticed a massive change though in all honesty um whether i am very very descriptive when i do that or whether i'm pretty vague i haven't noticed any real change personally i'm not sure if you feel feel the same i've only used it for a few hours so i i don't know too much <laughs> but so and the reason why i'm asking is it sounded like this topic area was not covered in blog format very well. And the seed information for Jasper, per my understanding, was it, quote, read about 10% of the internet in, I think, 2019. So the data is from 2019. So I wonder what Jasper was writing about when it didn't know what you were talking about and you didn't feed it any information. So can you add any insight for me? I can indeed. So the sub niche I'm in is is almost an offshoot of a. I, I'm trying to be purposely vague here. It sure. was. Uh, it, it's a. It's a much larger sort of traditional niche okay. that is, isn't so much online. There's a lot of literature about it, but it's a brick and mortar sort of niche, and it's recently sort of um, pivoted to a more online sort of digital space. Um, so with that in mind, there, there is a lot of content that's out there, but it's not actually relevant to what specifically I'm talking about. So okay. it was easy for Jasper to find content. Um, but there was a lot of, sort of backspacing from, from myself and, and cutting out what it was adding in. Um, but for some of those, more um, vague articles that were in the, the wider niche I was operating in, it really didn't have a problem. I think there was enough content there, but the, the sub-niche that was making me the majority of the money, Jasper was relatively useless, to be completely honest. Okay. So it was perfect for the supporting articles because it wasn't like on the cutting edge. It was just kind of the other surrounding bullshit. Exactly. And I, I wouldn't want to use it for, for anything I see as a as a digital asset, as I call it. It's something I, I want to put my name on, I'm very proud of, and I, I think is a, a really useful resource. I wrote that all by hand. Got it. And I, I, I wonder, um, people, uh, listeners, uh, email me, feedback at Doug.show. I have a feeling a lot of people, I don't know, the AI stuff is like, it's very split. I feel like there's a lot of beginners who are using AI and they're like, AI is so great, but they haven't actually been successful. So I, I think the jury is still out. So I don't want to like lose people as I'm like trying to learn about it. So I hope this is interesting for folks, but I think we just arrived, like you were like, I'm not using the AI for any of the new stuff because it would be useless. You're just using it for the quote supporting articles that you thought no one was going to read anyway. So like this yeah. whole, like we have to get this whole thing in context and like, I don't know if that all those articles helped at all. We don't know if it helped your site, but maybe it didn't hurt it. We, I mean, things seem okay. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I don't think it's hurt, but I, again, don't know if it's helped. Any other content thoughts before we move to link building? Um, I, I would say, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with just putting yourself the other end and putting yourself in the, the, um, the shoes of whoever's searching for that content. I think that's really what's, what's helped me and, and becoming a better writer is, is doing that and really thinking about what you would want to, to see if you search for something pretty simple and you've got 6,000 words and someone's buried the, the answer 4,000 words deep, you're never going to see it. So I think just match whatever the, the search intent actually is. 
Moving to link building. So mm-hmm. when you sent me the email, you were like, you haven't done any link building efforts, but um, in the pre-interview, we we got a little, or I got a little bit more information. So can you talk about um, the link building efforts um, that you will, why you decided not to do anything and then tell us about like the backlink profile that you have, like whatever details you want to fill in and then we'll sort of back into it. Of course. So I put, as you, as you say, I put zero effort into backlinks. Um, I put no money, no effort in at all. Do I regret that? Yes, I think so. Um, so I've got a backlink profile and it's a very interesting one. So I, through naivety, I didn't realize I bought an expired domain. So I didn't buy it from an expired domain vendor. I bought it from uh, a usual sort of web host that I know a, a lot of people use um, in this space. And it turns out it was an expired domain. They had a relatively interesting backlink profile. There's a lot of spam. There's a lot of um, backlinks that don't hold any value at all. Um, and, and where they acquired them from, I'm not entirely sure. So that, I think, sped up the success of my site. Um, massively so. But I know we touched on the in the, in the pre-interview as, as well, Doug. I'm looking to sort of get um or sell the site and i've had a few conversations with people and they are very much put off by the backlink profile um and the fact that i've got backlinks that i can't really explain it doesn't seem to be hindering me at all but they don't like the the look of it and i'm between a rock and a hard place because i know i could disavow the links and i could you know go go in search console and do this but also if that's led to the success of the site and i guess the rapid success of the site to some degree, I think removing those, if Google was not even looking at them, is not necessarily the best thing to do. So it's certainly an interesting one. I don't really know enough about links, to be honest. Um, I, I've always been of the opinion, if you if you buy links, Google will, will find out. And I think a lot of sites that sell links have a huge amount of of outgoing domains and it, it I think they know unless you're sort of smart with with what you do and I, I don't think it's worth the budget for a lot of the the niche sites. I don't think it's needed. I think high quality content will get you to your sort of goal with the site within reason. That being said, if you're in a very competitive niche um, and you know what you're doing, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but I would I'd rather put money into content personally than than good links. How many uh, referring domains does this site have roughly, if you had to recall? It's a couple thousands, but off the top of my head, I couldn't give you an exact. Okay. So th- that's quite a few, a few th- <laughs> couple thousand. All right. So yeah, like you, you bought the domain and just to make sure everyone understands. So you went to the you know hosting company, you got a hosting plan. It came with the domain. You were like, I want this domain. It's available in <laughs> When you, you never investigated, so one thing people maybe should do is look back at. Or actually, you could just look in like hrefs or something, and you'd see like some history. You can also go to like the um, the web art archive, the Wayback Machine, and you may see yep. some snapshots. So, um, when was the domain first purchased? When did it start? I'm actually not sure. So I haven't gone on on Wayback Machine. I 
I, I bought Hrefs um, for a few months and I ended up having a look just before I was in talks with um, a very reputable sort of marketplace for buying and selling websites. Um, I was just curious more than anything and they, um, they they said it had quite an interesting backlink profile. I wasn't aware, obviously, so I went and had a look and I was, I was very shocked. Um, uh, <laughs> was oh, uh, yeah, so before you get a domain, everybody, like just double check and make sure it wasn't owned in the past. Um, it can lead to some issues or, or like you, I mean, it's worked out pretty good so far. So you were like, I'm a genius. <laughs> and then you, so you didn't know that it had a backlink profile until like just a few months ago, a couple months ago or whatever. I think about two months ago, I had absolutely no idea. I thought I was just a genius. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing, so, and you never even looked, so it's been making pretty good money for like a year. So you never even looked on Hrefs until... Like recently, no, I because I learned really from the from the the income school guys. Yeah, um, I, I think they've disbanded now. I think one of the the chapters left. I'm not too sure, um, but they were so pro content and so anti backlinks. They made it sound like if you buy backlinks, your site will just get control alt deleted from from the web. <laughs> uh, so and and obviously I was naive, and you know I, I spent. It, a certain amount of time learning learning SEO, if you will, but the majority of it was improving my content writing. I didn't really focus on links. I figured if, it, again, naively, if I write good content, they'll come. Um, so, yeah, I, I gave it no no sort of mind at all. Gotcha. I mean, net link building definitely works, um, or it can work. Um, I think a lot of people are lazy, and they're just like, I don't want to do, do that. I don't know how to do it. And... Mm -hmm. There's a, I mean, the approach is, it's really good on YouTube where it's like, Hey, you just focus on content. Don't worry about link building. Like we give you permission. It's okay. Like it works. It's a little safer. Like it's fine. And there's, I mean, again, like we're saying, there's so many different approaches. So I have nothing against like no links, but when people pop up and they're like, you didn't have this problem for us, but like when people pop up and they're like, all my content, uh, it's not indexing, like none of it's indexing, like 90% of the time they have like zero backlinks. They've never, I mean, there's nothing, there's just content on the site, which can work, but it might take a little bit longer. So <clears throat> anyway, okay. Um, any, any other details on the, the link building or the lack thereof? <clears throat> Um, I would say it's potentially cost me one of the most important commercial sort of search intent phrases I was ranking for. Um, there's there's sites that are um, now in that uh, showing up in the SERPs and, and taking X percent of my traffic, not even niche relevant, but their backlink profile is is very strong. So I don't think the the topical authority can save me from that one. So I think it was an oversight from my part. And if I was to start again, I would have started building links um, sooner. Uh, I've built links now, um, primarily through just connections I have in the industry and some of the affiliate partners I work with, I pretty much just emailed them and said, can I have a link? And they said, yes. So I've got uh, a handful of very relevant, decent links, um, but nothing to nothing to write home about. Gotcha. And I think, you know, you highlighted something there, which is when you started, there's very little competition. Like the links probably didn't matter too much. And I think that, 
that probably goes across industries and different niches and stuff like that. So like if all your competitors, if they all have a lot of backlinks, like that's probably the price of admission. You're probably going to have to at least match them and then have better mm -hmm. content. Um, if it's, you know, more obscure, if it's low competition, like no one's even competing for the keywords, they don't cover the topic. Like you probably can get away with no backlinks and it's fine. So yeah, you just have to yeah, look. I'd, I'd agree with that. There's, there's an interesting video it's, it's somewhere on, on YouTube called, uh, about link gap analysis. They, I think they, they coined it. Um, very interesting. And it's certainly worth a watch. I can't remember who, who uploaded it, but it was essentially looking at the, um, the the backlink profile for for every sort of page coming up top three in the in the SERP and actually looking at how many of those backlinks were would do follow how many were were niche relevant how many you know are are needed for you to take the the SERP if your content's better um, and they were kind of extrapolating and I think it was a case study and I think it did play out quite well they were looking at a, a site that had x number of backlinks it turned out they needed to buy like four um to to take the the serp and i'm sure there was much more to it than that but that was the logic i feel like um hrefs has some little metric like that where it says like you'd probably need x number of links to rank mm. for this term so, yeah I, don't, yeah. I, I haven't looked in a little bit but anyway okay anything else like in general any of the broad areas before we start wrapping up um, I would no. I, I think I've got a few mistakes which I've I've made that may be worth highlighting, and and most of them come down to again naivety. But I would say site speed played a big role, I think, in in potentially losing some of the SERPs. And I'm not sure why I believe that, but I used um, Elementor on on my site because my site was so um, affiliate heavy. All I was trying to do was drive them from A to B, almost like a, a mini sales funnel in my head. Um, so I cared a lot more about getting readers from A to B rather so than optimizing for, for mobile and taking those boxes for Google. Um, and I, I feel like that has, has certainly helped me back as well. How would you, how would you do it differently? Would you not use Elementor or would you just make it a, a sort of a simpler, faster design or something? I think so, but I was I, I've been weighing this up a lot because it it serves a purpose, and I I'm almost willing to sacrifice not user experience, but the ticking the site speed box for Google in exchange for getting people where I I need them to to convert. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. I use Leap by Zoic. I've I've done everything that's really possible without redesigning the site. I think, um, but I haven't looked at server speed, so it might be something to do with the servers I use as well. Okay, gotcha. Any other mistakes? Um, beyond the expired um, domain, whether that was a mistake or not, and um, I, I think just going after, for the first few months of the site, going after search phrases that were extremely competitive, um, not thinking about the fact I was obviously not going to rank for them. And most of those were commercial intent as well. I think there's there's obviously so much money in commercial intent if you're in a competitive niche. Um, yeah, you've you've got to be quite, quite big or have a, a very deep pocket, I think, to take some of those, those keywords. How long did it take for you to get uh, traction in general? 
Um, first few months, I was seeing traffic. It was really the the ghost town, as, as income school likes to call it. That lasted a few months, if that, a uh, few weeks, more like. Um, before I started seeing it slowly coming in, um, and then it did absolutely skyrocket one day. Um, it, it literally just jumped up hugely. Whether that was anything I did, I don't, I don't think it was, um, I, and I couldn't really correlate it to any kind of Google update either. But my traffic just went from pretty much nothing to I think it was about seven hundred users a day, just more or less overnight. It was within a few days. How old was the site at that point? That would have been in I think June, so about okay. six months old. And that could be like the Google sandbox time period. A lot of people will say six months and then other sites, it's more like 12 or so, but yeah, my, my, my first site, it was much more of a steady sort of curve. Um, whereas this one seemed like it, it was going up and then just exponential. Boom. Gotcha. Mm. All right. Any other mistakes? Those I'd say were my, uh, my biggest mistakes so far, but I'll, I'll jump back on at some point and, and update okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they never stop, unfortunately. So, all right. How has the success of this website impacted your life? Um, so I've, I worked full-time throughout the, the site. So in terms of actually changing my life, it really hasn't at all. I think it's inspired me more so to, to create more content and sort of upskill myself in content. I think ultimately it's what I want to to do with myself in my career. Um, obviously I'm, I'm still young and it, it didn't really make sense for me to to quit my, my career that's going quite well off the back of a few good months with a with a website in my head. Um, but I've I've started doing a, quite a lot of freelance content at the moment. I'm, I'm writing content for other people. It's something I, I really, really enjoy. So that's the side I think that's besides the finances, of course, which is nice. Um, it's that, that's the side that I've got the most from, I'd say. Very cool. Yeah, you are, you're pretty young. I was going to say, what are you doing with all the money? And did you do any fun, fun, crazy stuff or? I haven't actually spent it. I've, um, I bought a iMac and I used some of it um, for the deposit on my house. But beyond that, um, I don't know what the tax is going to be, to be honest, Doug. So I'm, oh. I'm patiently waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I was going to say, um, you know, I do this other podcast on personal finance. You're you're young enough. Like if you max out um, your retirement accounts, I know it's. Um, I have some friends that are from the UK. Um, I know it's a little bit tougher. Taxes are higher. There's not as many like little loopholes. Um, so it's a little bit tougher, but you have so much money coming in. If you max out those areas, you can retire by the time you're 30, like easy, like no, no problem. Like I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know what your expenses are. Cause it's, you know, really it's the delta between um, what you earn and your expenses. But if you're, you know, if there's a big delta, then you're in great shape. And if you just mm -hmm. live like a, you know, live poor for a couple of years <laughs> while you're saving a lot and you don't, you know, you don't know much difference then uh, yeah, you'd retire really early. Whole, whole other conversation, but okay. Do you have any, uh, other advice for people that want to replicate? I mean, you covered a lot so much, but if you want to uh, restate anything specifically, now's the time to do um, it. 
I would say from from a holistic point of view, I think just give the reader the the value. Um, I, I know we all get so pent up trying to sort of game Google and, and the, the algorithm and every time there's an update. But ultimately, I think Google will always side where the value is for the reader and they, they want to keep readers happy. So I think if you can add the value and not just copy someone else's content and just change the paragraphs around, I don't think there's there's too much value in that in, in the eyes of Google unless you've got a monster website that's got the, the domain authority to get away with it. But I think if you focus on you know giving giving the reader value and and I guess contrary to that, I think cut corners where corners can be cut. I think with, with the whole supporting content, I think to to get yourself to this sort of 400, 500 articles or, or whatever a lot of people are, are shooting for in these slightly larger niches, I would argue a lot of that content will not get read very frequently. So if you if you use a tool like Ahrefs or whatever it may be, and you can you can eyeball the the search volume and and work out really what's what you're likely to going to see per article, I I would say certainly cut corners if you can, um, but do it in a in a responsible way, of course. Very good. Where can people follow along with you? Um, so I'm not too big on social media at all. I will. I hope to to swing back on on your podcast at some point, my friend. But um, I've got a a bit of a, a content writing uh, business, if you will. I, I do a bit of freelance content. It's um, the the site's actually not up yet, but it, it will be by the time everyone's watching this. It's called articlesthatrank.com. So I'm, I'm not sure, Doug, if you could drop a a, a link wherever sure. a link go. Um, but that's probably the the best place. But beyond that, I'm sure um, I'll, I'll come give you guys an update soon on, on how the site's going. Very good. Yeah, we'll put a link so people can get to it. And um, yeah, by the time they listen to it, you'll have it up already. So very good. Forrest, this has been uh, fantastic. Thanks for sharing everything. I uh, really appreciate your time today. No, thank you for having me, Doug. Appreciate it.